to chapter number 13. We're going to be at this morning, and we'll start in verse number 1. Matthew chapter number 13 and verse number 1. So good to see you all this morning. Thanks for coming, and I hope that you'll come back tonight. And uh, we'll pray for this whole week. I hope you'll make the commitment. We talked about it earlier that uh, you'll just be coming out every single night. When you're thinking about it, sitting here this morning, oh, if I'm going to do that every single night, that's going to be, don't worry about that. Just worry about tonight and uh, just keep on figuring it out. Maybe you have to think of uh, some simple meals to be able to do. Maybe you'll say, I'll have to come straight from work. That's totally fine. That's totally understandable. And uh, we'll love to be able to have you come. But a great crowd here on a Sunday morning. And uh, praise the Lord for that. And we're excited about how God can speak to our hearts today. Matthew 13. Let's take a look at that. Let's find verse number one. The same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside. And great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship and sat. And the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. When he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places, where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up, because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit. Some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. The title of the message this morning is, How is your garden? How is your garden? Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this word, your word. And Lord, I pray that you show us that there's something in our life that should not be there today that will confess it and forsake it and draw closer to you. Lord, I'm burdened this morning that there could be people here that has never trusted your son to be saved. Lord, I pray they'll trust in your son to be saved today, and what a glorious thing that would be. Lord, please be with me. Fill me with the Spirit's power. I need your help. In Jesus' name, I ask these things. Amen. I wish I was good at growing stuff. As you can tell by looking at me, I can't grow very well up. I do a little bit better out, I guess, more than up. But um, when it comes down to gardening, I, I wish I could do it. And I'm going to be quite frank with you, I stink at it. I've come to realize at some point in time in my life now, there are some things I'm going to be good at in life, or at least okay at life. And then there's some things that I'm just going to, I stink at it. And that has to come down to gardening. I wish I could do it, but I can't. Uh, I remember one time, it was like as seen on TV, basically the ad was, any dummy can grow tomatoes using this. And I went and I got it. And I could not grow tomatoes on it. That's how bad it is. Um, just up until recently, we can't grow much of anything. My wife does a good job growing flowers and things like that in our, our front part of our house. And most of the things didn't die. So that was very thankful for that this year. Um, this past year, we had pumpkins on our front porch. And it was getting, we, we go back and forth so much. We took off, we were gone for a while and came back and our pumpkins were dead. And literally, I walked up to the front porch, I kicked the pumpkin over to get into our flower garden, and I just left it there because nobody could see it because it was by a bush or whatever. Where a year later, a miracle happened. I grew something. And we were so proud of that thing. 
In fact, that pumpkin patch started growing, and we're like, I think it's growing something. A little blossom happened. And uh, we wanted to make sure everybody knew about it. The guys that mow at the ranch, don't touch that. Uh, make sure you don't mow it. And the, it started growing even more so into our front yard. So if people are driving by at the Bill Rice Ranch and seeing our yard, it looked like we had a weed problem. No, friend, we were growing something. And it was awesome. And I think we got at least five, six, oh, over 10 people. I'm basically a farmer now. Um, I'm going into business selling pumpkins anytime. And uh, they weren't huge or anything like that. They were just, you know, they looked like a pumpkin. They were actually orange like a pumpkin. And uh, we moved our pumpkin patch. We, that means we took our rotten pumpkins and we put it in our backyard. So we're really excited about next year. Um, <laughs> tune in later on how more tips on how to grow pumpkins. Okay, so basically it was an accidental thing and that's why I was able to do it. I wish I was good at growing stuff, but I can't. I, I grew up, my dad was a son of a farmer. So he had to have a garden and he had to make sure he had a big one. So we had Indiana sweet corn, which I would say the best sweet corn you could ever put in your mouth. Uh, we had green beans, we had potatoes, zucchini, squash, I try to kill that. Um, all different types of things. And there'll be a time when dad would say, all right, son, it's time to weed the garden. It was always at terrible times, you know, when I wanna watch Saturday morning cartoons or something like that. Um, but it was like, okay, okay, let's do it. And so we got out there, and we had so many green beans. And he said, you work over in this corner, and I'll work on this corner, and we'll sort of meet in the middle. And as I was working our way, working our way through, halfway through the row, I had a thought. The thought was, I wonder if I'm pulling out the right thing, the weeds or the plants. Isn't that a good thought? I thought that was a pretty good thought to have probably a bad thought halfway through. And so my dad, when he was working, he didn't talk a whole lot, especially when he was with me. He was real serious about everything. Everything had to be a certain way. And, and uh, he was just working, you know, doing as fast as he can. And I said, Dad, he said, what? In a good dad way. And I said, Dad, how do you know if you're supposed to pull out which plant? And it was further along, you know, in our garden. And so he said, if it has green beans on it, don't pull it. Wisdom from dad. Have you ever pulled something out and you realize you shouldn't have pulled something out? Then you try to replant that certain something? It doesn't go very well. Because I cleaned out that half a row of green beans. It looked nice and pretty, just a bunch of dirt. So I went and tried to replant all those green beans. Well, a few days later, we went back out to the garden and he said, whoa, what happened to the garden? Half of the row is dead. And uh, I told him, well, dad, it was a scorcher the last couple of days. Um, sun was really out, but he ended up figuring out what exactly happened. I wish I could do it. And there's some of you here today and you're hearing stories about my failures at gardening, and you're like, bless your heart, because you're good at it, and you like doing things with the garden. Uh, some of you can relate to me. Some of you don't even try at all. Uh, your gardening is getting a can of green beans from the grocery store, all right? But there's something that we can all agree on. If you're working on a garden, it is a lot of hard work. Can we agree that way? 
And here in um, Matthew chapter number 13, the Lord Jesus is getting across that we are having a spiritual garden in our heart. And the Bible says, a sower went forth to sow. And we know by other passages of the Bible that the seed is a picture of the Word of God. And all of us today, since we all have gardens, spiritual gardens really in our hearts, uh, we all are, have different types of gardens and how it's doing spiritually. I'm taking the seed of the Word of God, and I'm just casting it out this morning. And it's falling on all different types of gardens that we have in the auditorium. What kind of garden, what kind of ground is the seed of the Word of God falling on today? It is so important to make sure that we have the right kind of ground. So here in Matthew 13, what I love about this passage is that the Lord Jesus tells us the parable and then he explains it to us. Look at verse number 19 and we find the first type of ground. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. The first kind of ground that I'm going to talk about this morning is the strong ground. The kind of ground that is taking the seed of the Word of God and it's so hardened that it is rejecting that seed. And I think it can be a picture here of someone that's never trusted Christ as their Savior and someone that's never been saved. You're hearing the seed of the Word of God. You've probably heard the Word of God at some point in time earlier in your life, but you've never trusted in the Son, Jesus Christ. And because you have the strong ground, you are rejecting Jesus Christ. Friend, you can be saved today, and you can know for certain that you're going to heaven. Uh, there's a story that was told of uh, Brother Moody, D.L. Moody, who's an evangelist, and, and uh, he talked about a guy that had strong ground. And in that story, we find that a lady came in the middle of the night and knocked on the door and said, uh, Brother Moody, come talk to my husband. He needs to be saved. He doesn't, it doesn't seem like he's going to make it through the night. So Brother Moody went over there, and he got over to the house in the middle of the night, and he said, Sir, won't you be saved? Sir, won't you trust in Christ? And he said, I don't believe none of that stuff. Only if your God heals me will I trust in your son, to God's son to be saved. He said, is that the only way? He said, that's the only way. So Brother Moody got down on his knees right there by the guy's bed and prayed that God would spare his life so he would trust in Jesus Christ to be saved. Well, he made it through the night. And miraculously, two weeks later, the guy was back working on his farm. Well, Brother Moody heard about this, and as a good preacher, he said, I'm going to pay him a visit. So he went over there, and the guy was working in the middle of his farm, and he said, hey, sir, do you remember me? The guy was working, and you could sort of see him in the corner. Yeah, I remember you. He said, remember what you said? That if my God heals you, you'll trust in his son to be saved. And he said, I'm only 35. I've got plenty more of my life. Come back when I'm old. Then I'll trust in Christ. And Brother Moody said, okay, if that's how it's going to be. And he went on home. A few weeks later, the story goes that that man's wife knocked on Brother Moody's door and said, Sir, Brother Moody, please, the disease has come back. 
please go talk to my husband. And so he came over there and knocked on the door, came in, and he said, sir, won't you trust in Christ? Sir, won't you be saved? And he says, the summer is past, the harvest is ended, and I am not saved. Brother Moody said, as, as long as you're still on this earth, you can still trust in Christ to be saved. The man said, the summer is past, the harvest is ended, and I am not saved. Brother Moody started praying for that man out loud by the bedside. He said, you can pray for my wife, you can pray for my boy, but don't waste your breath on me. The summer is past, the harvest is ended, and I am not saved. And that man went out into eternity not trusting in Jesus Christ. He had the strong ground. But I'm so thankful to be able to say here this morning that the strong ground can be busted up. Several years ago, I was in Pennsylvania, and I was preaching in a small town of Renova, Pennsylvania. And I got done preaching, and I asked a couple of questions. I said, how many people are saved, and how many people are not saved? And I saw there's about an 18-year-old kid in the back that didn't raise his hand one way or the other. Well, right when the final amen was said, I was over in the, the foyer at the time, and that guy got shot out of the cannon. He took off running out of the church. And I said, hey, what's your name? And he said, my name is David. And I said, David, I noticed you didn't raise your hand one way or the other about trusting Christ. Have you done that? He said, leave me alone. And he ran out of the church. Well, the next morning he worked at a Lowe's and he was going down Renova Mountain, and Renova Mountain sort of was winding, and an animal jumped out in front of him, and he swerved to miss the animal, and he realized he didn't have his seatbelt on, and so he put his seatbelt on. He started driving a little bit longer, and a deer came out in front of him. He slammed on his brakes. He lost control of his car. The seatbelt was supposed to tighten up on impact, but it malfunctioned, and it stayed loose. David's head collided with the passenger side windshield and the car flipped over several times. Police that came on the scene said David should have died that day. I met David that afternoon at his house. God spared his life. And I said, David, you remember me? He said, yeah, I remember you. I said, David, you think God's trying to get your attention? He said, he did. He said, when that car started flipping over, I crawled out of that car, I got on my knees, and I trusted in Jesus Christ, and I got saved. Friend, what I'm asking you today, is there been a moment in your life where you've been born again? There's a moment in your life that you realize that you are a sinner, you do things and say things and think things which displeases God. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible goes on and says, for the wages of sin is death. Because I do things and say things and think things which displeases God, I deserve eternal separation from God in hell. Hell is not a party place. Hell is a terrible place of weeping and gnashing of teeth and of fire. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, salvation, you don't have to work for salvation. It's already been paid in full by our Savior, Jesus Christ. It is a free 
gift. You don't have to do anything for it. Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and over 2,000 years ago, he came to earth, and he was perfect, and he didn't do one thing wrong, and he died on the cross for our sins. And three days later, he rose from the grave, and he went to the heaven. And the Bible says, you believe that to be true, how we accept that free gift. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm asking you this morning, has there been a time in your life you accepted that free gift and you know for certain that you're going to heaven? It's so important. The first kind of ground that we read about is the strong ground. The second is, I call it the stony ground. Look at verse number 20. It said, but he that received the seed into stony ground, the same as he that heareth the word and a none, that simply means and immediately with joy receiveth it. Yet, ha yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. This is somebody that struggles with emotionalism, I would say. Someone that likes to look the part of being the perfect Christian. And when they're at church, they've got the smile. They got to be able to dress up and all those kinds of things. They, they know the lingo. But how are they when they get back in their car with their family? How are they back at home? How are they when they're on the job? So many people I meet, they have about three or four different identities. How they are at church, how they are at home, how they are at work, how they are with certain friends. Friend, we need to be real. And you would say, I am real. That's why I'm cranky all the time. Well, that's really not what we're shooting for, okay? What we're shooting for is to be Christ-like all the time. But I would say we have the stones of emotionalism in our life, and we're fakes and we're phonies. Do you ever remember uh, one of the first times you realized that a person you're talking to is a phony? I bet nowadays it's sort of easy to pick those out. But do you remember your first time that uh, you started realizing, this isn't quite right. This person's one way here and it's another way. Huh, something fishy about that. Well, I remember when I was a kid and there was a guy that was called the Candyman, okay? And a lot of churches have the Candyman and I'm thankful for Candyman and I like taking candy from them still. Uh, the candy man never did me any wrong, except one Sunday he did black licorice, and that was very wrong. But other than that, he normally did pretty good with his candy. And he had a booming voice, and when he got called on to pray, I mean, it just sort of filled the whole room because of his booming voice. He used a lot of words I never heard before, but I thought to myself, wow, that was a great prayer, just because he used big words. And he sounded really spiritual, right? Well, I remember the first time I met the Candyman outside of church. And in Clinton, Indiana, there was a Walmart. Now, this Walmart has not been supersized, okay? This Walmart, it was a big deal when it started selling milk, okay? It's a small Walmart. But they had a candy aisle. And I was old enough to go to the toy aisle where there was a guy's side of the aisle, and then there was the pink side, which was 
the girl side of the aisle. You probably couldn't do that anymore. But um, anyway, that's for another sermon. So I thought, I'll go do a shortcut, and I'm going to go look at the candy aisle, and then I'm going to go look at the boy side of the toy aisle. So I go through the candy aisle, and there was the candy man. You talk about a good time to see the candy man when he's stocking up. And so at church, you know, all you got to do is walk right up to the candy man and just sort of go. And he said, oh, let me see what I got here. There you go, son. You take off running and uh, you try to, you know, get more candy out of him later on, right? Hopefully he forgot. So I walked up to him and I just sort of. Oh, hi. Hi. I can't stand this Walmart. Oh, really? No! They never have the candy that I want. And uh, the parking lot, I was getting ready to go in this close parking space. Some guy came out of nowhere, some Ford Mustang person, and they went flying in and slamming the brakes and took my parking place. They never have enough cashiers around here either, do they? They have about six or seven of them. How many cashier? A half of one. I mean, seriously. I can't stand this place. Just sort of didn't know what to do. So I just said, okay, and I walked away. Well, I came back, and Mom was over in line and things, and I said, Mom, I saw some people at the store. She goes, oh, oh, really, who? And my mom has always been a social butterfly. She thinks, you know, she goes to a mall. She has to take three or four laps around the mall to see if there's anybody she knows, and then she goes shopping, Okay. She's like, oh, oh, who, 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 who? And I said, candy guy. And her face changed. And she said, oh, how'd that go? I said, well, mom, the candy guy was pretty mad. And she said, well, son, there's just some people that outside of church we just don't talk to. And he's one of them. And I just went, okay. But I started thinking to myself, how many people are that way? How many people, when they are in church and when they're out of church, their family know it's exactly the way they act. They're not Christ-like at all. You've got the stones of emotionalism. You're coming into church, you're saying praise, praise the Lord, amen, sing it out, but then you're living like the devil the rest of the week. That's not the way God intended it. You see, there's the strong ground, there's the stony ground, and then there's another ground I like to call the satisfactory ground. Look at verse 22. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word. And the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. So it's producing fruit there growing fruit, but because of their priorities of the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches, it only goes so far and you're just, you're just getting by. I remember one of my first report cards and my sister always got straight A's and so I just always assumed I'm going to get straight A's. That was in for a rude awakening. And so I remember, hey, mom, guess what? It's report card day. We're really excited about report card day. This is going to be awesome. Report card day. And uh, I got report card. 
And I'm looking at it. I got an A in English. That was a miracle. Um, I got a B in handwriting. That was a kind teacher. And I got some A's and I got some B's. Everything was going good. And I look at the bottom of my report card and it says P.E., physical education. I got an S. Oh, my. This is bad. This is, this is really bad. And, I'm, you know, I'm just a young kid, and I'm just thinking to myself, okay, um, there's a kid that got in trouble with his parents because they got a C. Okay? There's the bad kid that got the D. There's the really bad kids that were getting Fs. And they were, they were crying over there in the corner. Friend, just do your alphabet. <laughs> A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S. How bad is that? I mean, I could have got a Z, but praise the Lord, it wasn't that bad. And I thought, I've got to do something. I've got to figure out something different to do. I really don't know what I'm going to do. I, I, I'm going to have to go and ask some of the bad kids to see if they can change my grade. So they were saying they can turn Fs into As. It's pretty good. And I was like, all right, fellas. Felt like I was talking to Guido and the boys, you know, at the gang. What can you guys do with an S? He said, well, we can make it an eight. I said, I don't think that's much better. And so I thought I got to go into a little more distraction with my mom. So that's what I did. She said, oh, honey, you're home. I heard it's report card day. I said, mom, let me clean the room. She goes, oh, okay, go clean the room. And she said, where's your report card? I said, mom, um, let me take out the trash. Mom, let me do the dishes. Mom, let me do, you know, whatever. Let me vacuum. And she said, Matthew, you know, when you get the whole name. She said, Matthew, give me your report card. Now. <laughs> and so, you know, I was giving my life to the Lord at that point. I told God I'd go to Africa. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Just change my grade. You know, God is a God of miracles. Amen? So I believed it. I was proclaiming it. It's going to happen. Here it is. So she looks at it. Oh, a B in handwriting. She was kind to you. Mm. Well, Matthew, looks like you just did a great job. She didn't see the grade. Or God changed the grade. I'm going to Africa. <laughs> I hurried up. I got the report card back. And the S was still there. And I was really happy about it. But I thought, you know what? I can't live this way. I got to eat supper. So, <sighs> Mom, I need to tell you something. She said, what? I don't think you saw one of my grades. She said, oh, I think I did. Did you see what I got in PE? I was doing good in kickball. I even hit a homer. 
she said, well, yeah, you got a yes, or, or excuse me, you got an S. And I said, is that okay? She said, well, you could have got a U. <laughs> oh, I don't think you're understanding. It's either satisfactory or unsatisfactory. Pass or fail. Okay. So I can honestly say every A I've ever received in my life, I'm very thankful for it. I think I've been excited about every B. I mean, even those times when it, like one more point it would have been an A, I was still praising God over that B. Uh, there were C's. I remember Bible college, I was praising God's name over. I passed, right? But I don't know anybody that got too excited about an S. What'd you get, S? Eh. You know what I mean? It's nothing, nothing to be excited about. It's just sort of, you got by. You got an S. Eh. And I think for most of us, when God looks down, and sees how we're doing spiritually. Are you producing fruit? Yeah. But it's only going so far because we're struggling with priority so much because of the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. It's only going so far. Then the last kind of ground that we'll look at is the spectacular ground. Look at that, would you please? Verse 23. But he that receives seed into the good ground, is he heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Notice characteristics of the spectacular ground. There's, there's no stones. There's no weeds. It's producing nothing but fruit. Have you ever been around somebody that was very meticulous about their garden? Have you ever met somebody that talked to flowers? Maybe you do that. That's fine. It's just a big deal. And sometimes you don't know when they're going to start talking to flowers or when they're talking to you, which is always interesting. And I remember walking on some people's grass Accidentally, a good friend of mine, I walked on his grass in Oklahoma, and I thought it was like I shot his dog. I mean, it was a very important thing. And my fault was I thought he was joking because he said, hey, get off my grass. That's why I have sidewalks. I went, ooh, looky here. I'm stepping on the grass. And he got more mad at me. <laughs> so um, now I use sidewalks often, okay, <laughs> after that event uh, because it was just a big deal. People that care a lot about the grass and things, you notice that they, it makes sounds when you walk on it. You know, when you walk on my grass, you, you don't notice anything different. If you walk on this guy's grass, it's sort of like, because he waters it, he nurtures it, he puts some type of grass stuff on it, right? And nobody's allowed to ever touch it except him and the lawnmower and uh, those kinds of things. Well, I'm not hard on him about that, but what it does make me think about is how I am in spiritual garden. If we can be that meticulous about grass, how much more should we be 
about how we're doing spiritually. You know, oftentimes we want to just say, God, my garden's doing really well. Look at my corn, okay? Look at my corn, God. But God says, what about those green beans that look terrible? And we say, but God, look at my corn. And he says, look at your tomatoes. They're rotten. God, look at my corn. <laughs> I do this one thing. I, I give to charity. I, I give to the church. There's that one time I came on a Wednesday night. Remember that, God? That was a great year four years ago. Um, all those kinds of things that we say, God, look at all these great things that I do. But God says, but look at these things. Give me everything. The Bible says this in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 40. Let us search and try our ways and turn again to the Lord. So we need to have a time where we say, God, how's my garden? God, how's my priorities? God, am I being Christ-like at church, home, work? God, how am, I, how am I doing spiritually? And with the Holy Spirit's help, he'll guide you and show you on how you can draw closer to him. And friend, that's what revival is all about. Coming back to God and making sure your spiritual garden is growing the way it should. Let's have our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning.